ladies and gents, four o'clock on the dot, ready to rock and roll. We're gonna be talking about advertising, marketing, some of my favorite subjects with a seasoned pro. So let's get this thing on the road. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Is your business in need of customers? Then you found the right show. Hernan Cias is the business bro, and he makes getting customers fun and easy. Watch, listen, and learn as each episode is designed to sell. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. All right, ladies and gents, let's drop some heat. Who do we got on the show today? Well, when you've been doing something a long time, you get really good at it. And today's guest has been in advertising and marketing for over 40 years. He's an executive coach, international speaker, author, trainer, and even was a TV host. It's like I always say, when you want to become an expert in an industry, you should probably learn from someone who's already been doing what you want to do. So let's listen and learn from today's guest, Scott Chili. <laughs> What up, Scott? Welcome to the show, man. Man, I love the intro. What a, what a great way to get started. <laughs> nothing but energy coming out of me, man. I'm, I'm a big fan of Zig Ziglar, and he talks about how sales is nothing more than a transference of energy. So Absolutely. I come ready, locked and loaded, <laughs> and trying to transfer as much enthusiasm and energy as I can. You've been at this for 40-plus years, my friend. Uh, I, I got to know the, the why. Why are you doing this? Because I want to know. Uh, I was a natural. Uh, at five years old, I was uh, walking up and down the aisle of an Amtrak train yelling, tickets, tickets, who needs tickets? And people would give me change and I'd scribble on a piece of paper and hand them a ticket to a train they were already on. So uh, I, yes. I started young. You know, I mean, it was just, uh, it was in my blood. Gary Vee's one of those listen, the, one of those uh, speakers that got me into uh, doing podcasts in general, and I love one of the stories he says when he was a kid. He's like, I don't recommend it, but one of my first sales jobs is I'd go in people's yards and I see they have beautiful flowers. I take the most beautiful flowers right out the ground, go to the door, and sell them right back to them. <laughs> kind of reminds me of what you were doing. Exactly. By the time we got uh, from Milwaukee to LA, I had fifty-two dollars in change in my pocket. You know, for for a five-year-old kid, that's pretty good. That's, that's, that's not so bad not so bad at all all right um we just had probably one of the most epic uh seasons for advertising we call it the super bowl uh and there are always some uh, highly anticipated ads that pop up and i'm curious in, in your field of expertise the years that you've been in business you've seen you know a number of different star star, uh, star wars <laughs> super bowls pop up uh and what was your opinion of the ones that came out this year anything stand out to you you know, there, there weren't, it was really funny because I was sitting there watching them and going, gosh, I'm supposed to be excited by these, but there wasn't really anything that just really clicked or was so outrageous or uh, so touching or, you know, I mean, there's, you can go for emotion or you can go for shock value. You can, there didn't seem to be, to, in my opinion, there wasn't really anything that stood out uh, per se. I think back to like, you know, the, the first Apple, um, commercial in 1984 you know where they they throw the, the thing into the wall or some some things like that that were just really stunning you know but but again you know i mean it's i just it's amazing to think that 30 seconds is seven million dollars <laughs> and then 
Um, you know, a couple of them had uh, what four or five pretty big name stars, right? Mm-hmm. And so the ticket on those, I don't know what they paid them, but it had to be a ton. I mean, that's a 10, probably a $10 million, 30 second uh, spend. And you sit there and go, did we really accomplish much with that? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, I, I remember the days when it was, you know, three, three to 4 million and you, and you go, oh, gosh, I don't know if we can make it worth three to 4 million. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 10, you know, inflation's crazy, man. Inflation's taking away a, a lot of our extra consumer dollars. Right. I mean, our, our discretionary spending, it's, it's going up and up and everything goes up and up the price of a home. I live in San Diego and a uh, house down the street. I never thought I'd be in a million dollar neighborhood, but all of a sudden there it is right there. I got a comp right there. And all of a sudden we were paying those top dollars for, for properties that, you know, the same property my grandparents would have bought for 17 grand. Like it's a huge difference down the road. Um, two commercials stood out to me that like, not life changing, but they stood out to me because of the connection they made. The first one was McDonald's. Um, and, and it's because you walk up to the, to the window there, right? When you're going to place your order and you go, uh, can I get a, <laughs> and I thought that was great because it was, it was a company using data that they have, right? The, the yeah. data that's given to them, I'm sure they're analyzing every time somebody goes up to a drive through goes into the window. What do they ask for? What is it? What is the cashier asking them? Are they saying, do you want fries with that? You know, all these different things. And the most common thing they saw was, can I get a, <laughs> they just kind of sit there. The second one that I thought was interesting was Coinbase. And it was nothing but a QR code that looked like old school Pong. It was just like doot, yeah. doot, 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 for 30 seconds, right? And it was funny because I was sitting there with my brother and he's like, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so he, he pulls out his phone and scans the QR code and then he's like to figure out what is this commercial about? Nobody even knew because you can't read a QR code unless you hop on your phone and, and click on it. But to be able to capture data like that, that was another huge thing for me. Um, what do you think of those two types of commercials? Well, it, it was interesting because I, I had a friend who's who's big into crypto and and teaches crypto and teaches all sorts of things around it. And his statement was the most failed crypto uh, commercial in history already for the Coinbase one. So, it, you know, again, it's obviously it was very targeted to a certain demographic and it it worked for that demographic, uh, not very broad by any stretch of the imagination. And I think the McDonald's thing, I think is just kind of cool. I think it is. Uh, if we would look at what people respond to or how they're responding today and try to customize things to them and get them to answer in a way that is very comfortable for them, I think mm-hmm. that's the best thing you could possibly do, right? You're trying to anticipate what that response is. Yeah. Yeah. And our attention span, it's so minimal. I mean, it's never been great anyways, right? Oh, look, a bird. I mean, our attention span hasn't been very, uh, you can't keep us very long. And it's like every year it gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. I mean, we're talking about a 30 second commercial. Most of us have been used to just going through a second at a time, just going frame by frame by frame as we swipe through things. Um, what have you seen in your career over the last, you know, 40 years, some of the stuff that is fundamental, that sticks, that has to be done in marketing and advertising all the way through. And some of the stuff that you just like are impressed on how it just came about. What are some things that you've seen? Well, I think, I think the, the greatest thing now is we see the differences in the generations. I mean, Mm. I'm a boomer. Uh, my kids are millennials. You got Gen X in between. And 
there's different, uh, there's definitely a different attractor to each generation. And I think it's more diverse. I think we probably all said this at one time, right? Well, in my parents' generation, they didn't get it, right? Yeah. Or that, that it, it's so dramatically different. But I think that there really are huge differences because all the technology and everything that's come through in the last 30 years, uh, you know, the, the cycle of technology has gotten faster and faster and faster. And so the attentions, you already said it, the attention spans have gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. And um, heck, we didn't, you know, a phone uh, actually had a cord on it when I grew up and it was plugged into the wall, you know, and, and if you were lucky, you had a long cord so you could stretch from room to room, right? People say, what, what do you mean a phone had a cord on it? Well, what, <laughs> what the hell, when did that happen? How old is this guy? Right. So, I mean, there's so many of those things that are so different today uh, that you've got to, I think that the um, ad agencies and, and the, the marketing folks have to be able to span the generations and or get very targeted on what they're doing. I mean, if they're if they're not going for a broader audience, then they got to get extremely targeted and make sure that they hit that and not almost not care about the other areas, you know? Yeah, and I feel like, uh, especially this Super Bowl season, I feel it was trapped in the 90s. Like, every, almost every commercial that I saw had some sort of nostalgic feel to it. Um, every artist that was on there had definitely nostalgia to it. They were in the, in, you know, growing up in the 90s as well. Uh, it, it's funny that you bring up the phone. Literally today, I was at Vaughn's getting ready to pay for something. And I don't, I don't remember my Vons card, but I can always go back and I put this phone number in, right? And my yeah. son looks at me, he goes, whose phone number is that? I go, son, that was my phone number when, for my house phone growing up. <laughs> and he's like, house phone? What do you mean house phone? <laughs> what do you mean the, phone had a, the house had a phone? Well, I mean, that's crazy talk. When, when did that happen? Yeah, and and I agree. I totally agree with you. The the, the niches, the targeting has got, has gone very very specific, and I think that has to do with the amount of data points that we're able to collect on on individual people. Um, just knowing what their habits, almost being able to predict things, you know, their actions and what they're going to do, what they're going to like, what they're going to pay attention to. The the magic that you have because of all those data points has made marketing uh, easier, and yet flooded right i mean you're you're you've been doing this for a while now when you're growing your when you're trying to sell your books when you're trying to go on speaking tours when you're trying to promote who you are how many what, what types of marketing strategies are you doing how many of them are working well for you and how many of them are you modifying well i think i think the reality is in this day and age you got to do everything mm -hmm. you, you know you you've got to use every modality that's available to you i mean podcasts and and um TV shows are um, relatively easy to have these days. I'm not going to say they're totally easy, but they're relatively easy to have. And so that's a medium that has to be attacked. You've got a, you've got multiple platforms that you have to hit. So you've got to hit everything from, I mean, you've got to have the Facebook, the LinkedIn, the Instagram, the Pinterest, the WhatsApp, the, you know, you got to go through the, the entire litany of, of locations. Um, you know, the things that, you know, print has gone by the wayside. I mean, that's one thing you don't have to worry about, really. But graphics, you certainly do. I mean, you've got to make things look appealing and aesthetically um, uh, pleasing to everybody. So 
you know, when you're when you're marketing a, a seminar or books or anything like that, you've got to put it out. You know, it's it's it sounds funny, but you got to fish where the fish are. Mm. You know, you, you've got to put things in. You got to put the the lures and the uh, the bait in front of the people where they are. It doesn't do you any good if your market is. Um, let's just say that your market is a uh, uh, more of a corporate clientele it probably doesn't do you as much good to be on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's a millennial or a, or a younger generation, it doesn't do you any good to be on LinkedIn, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the other way, right? So you've got to, you've got to really understand what you're working to accomplish and all that. It's funny when a speaker buddy of mine, we were talking about it the other day, he says, you know what? I would have never dreamed it. I, he goes, I moved to Instagram and started doing a lot of promotion, a lot of stuff. And man, the, the millennials are flocking all over my stuff. And he goes, I would have never dreamed that. But he said, I found this whole new niche of clientele. So I think there's still a, a void of, um, uh, or, or there's a, a void of information. There's a, a desire for that information. It just, sometimes you got to search for it a little, little harder these days, I think. Yeah. And, and you got to be able to connect with the people that you're talking to, right? Part of that, especially when you're doing public speaking, speaking, especially when you're writing books is the storytelling part and creating stories that people resonate with something that they've connected with. We've just, and I can't say I've gone through a pandemic cause I feel like it's still here two weeks ago. It was supposed to be two weeks, but it's still here. Um, you know, you, we've, we've felt what it's like to either lose family members or become really sick and, and have to come out of that. You had a very, a very life threatening situation that happened to you. Um, can you tell me about that and how has that affected the way you tell stories? Well, I, I lived through a near-death experience. I was walking along one day and walking, walking, walking. All of a sudden, my legs stopped, and I was standing on two tingling stumps. Uh, from above the knees down, uh, were just tingling and uh, started to become disoriented. Um, luckily, there was a railing behind me. As I was going backwards, I kind of grabbed the railing. A friend I was walking with shoved a, a chair underneath me, and I kind of fell into the chair. And he looked at me, and he said, what's your phone number? And I rattled off my phone number. I said, why the hell would you be asking me that now? Can't you see I can't walk? Oh, no reason. Well, I was cold. I was gray. I was clammy. I was sweating profusely. That's four of the five signs of a, being in the middle of a stroke. Mm. And so I had a massive cerebellar stroke, which uh, controls uh, the cerebellum, controls speech, memory, fine motor skills, walking, talking, vertigo. By the grace of God, I've got nothing. So... Um, but I came through that event understanding things at a deeper level and understanding that um, probably more purposeful. You know, I was, I've always been purposeful, but I mean, it was one of those where you come through and you go, um, okay, I was saved. And the reason I say that is, you know, for eight days, all I had is doctors going, we don't understand why you're alive. Mm. And, you know, when you hear that over and over and over again, it, it kind of works on your brain a little bit. And uh, I, I finally got a little upset and I said, sorry to disappoint you. I've always been an overachiever. I lived, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those, but you come through that and you go, okay, why am I here? What are we supposed to do with all this now? What did I learn through all this? And, and I think that that's the greatest part. I think we we're all here 
uh, my platform these days is to grow a worldwide community full of people that respect, honor, and dignify each other. Mm. I mean, lift each other up. That's that's why I love doing shows like this, and and I love being of service to people, whether you know them well or not, is is really irrelevant. It's help them achieve what they're working to achieve, and all sorts of good things. You said you love Zig Ziglar. Well, being here in Dallas, Zig was a was a friend. I'm still friends with Tom, his son, and Julie and, and Cindy, his daughters. And um, but I read See You at the Top when I was 17 years old, and there was a quote: "You can have everything in life you want when you simply help enough other people get what they want." And so that was that really became my my credo, my motto. And it's amazing how that carries out to this day. And so again, anything that you can do, if we can come together, I mean, the one thing the pandemic has done is it's brought a lot of people together uh, and hopefully for the good and that we can lift each other up and be of greater service to each other and then make the entire planet a better place. So. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and I love, I love that line too, as well. Uh, and it's part of why we are to be of service to others is, is our main motto for our show, because that is 100% correct. Uh, that that servant leadership is completely different. The ability for you to have a conversation with somebody, especially somebody that you might disagree with, to ask questions, to to understand, uh, and and to to be interested versus trying to be interesting. There's a lot of power when we communicate with each other, and you know the world has has given us the ability to say things even though we're behind the screen but it's also given us an opportunity to share our opinions to ask for what other people are doing to learn from other people just like yourself that that conversation is so powerful when you stand on stage you do one of your speeches you present something afterwards there's this I feel like it's a magical moment where you get to interact with the people who have just heard you speak, who have agreed, maybe even disagreed with what you have to say. Uh, what is that like? What talk, talk to me about that feeling of that right after the stage where you get to interact with people. Well, it's, it's absolutely fabulous. You know, the, the, um, I'm very blessed that, that I make it very, um, well known, you know, please come up, give me a hug afterwards or, come, you know, come up and, and share, you know, your thoughts. And I've had, you know, people come up and say, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. What gives you the, the comfort level to be able to share your faith from stage? Well, I only work for one guy and I'm allergic to lightning. So, you know, <laughs> it makes it makes it really easy. Right. Or uh, I said, be, I said, what makes it really easy is that you have to be true to yourself. You have to be true to your principles and, and what you're doing. And I said, the one thing you can't do from stage is throw out a bunch of junk. And, and, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, if you're, if you're out there giving that information. So it's, it's tremendously rewarding. I, I was speaking in Singapore and I had four Muslim women came up to me afterwards and I had shared, um, shared a little bit of faith from stage. And they said, Mr. Scott, can we get our picture made with you? And I said, well, sure, that'd be great. But I, I said, please hear my heart. I don't pretend to understand your culture, but I didn't think you did a lot of that. And they said, we don't. We simply take pictures of, of people or things we want to honor. And mm. I said, well, that's nice. Why would you want to honor me? And they said, because you made us cry. Mm. I said, okay, now I'm confused. Why would you want to honor me? Because I made you cry. And they said, because for the first time in our life, you encouraged us to have faith. You didn't try to convert us. 
for that we honor you. And so again, I think if if we would just meet people where they are, it's my job to believe what I believe. It's your job to believe what you believe. You have every right to believe what you believe. I have every right to believe. This is where the respect, honor, and dignity comes in. See, if we can, respect is how I treat you. Honor is how I lift you up. Dignity is how we both feel after that's been done. And so if, if we can do more of that, I don't have to agree with you. You don't have to agree with me, but we should respect each other. You have every right to your opinion. I have every right to my opinion. You're, you've grown up in, I don't know if you grew up in California, but you're in California. I'm in Texas. They're two different places. There's cultural differences. There's all sorts of different things. But we should be able to, to reach common ground and, and get along. And that's the one thing I think that hopefully the pandemic has done is got people to listen to each other a little bit better. Now, it's pretty evident that there's also a lot of this going on, polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Well, at polar opposites, nothing happens. We've, we've got to get it closer, you know, so that we can swing a little bit. You, you know, the, the automatic shutdown uh, of somebody's opinion isn't good for anybody. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. It doesn't get anything across. So again, that's why I appreciate the opportunity to come and share. And some people are going to say, hey, that made some sense. And some people are going to say, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, whatever. You know, I, I just appreciate the opportunity to come and share and, and do what I can do to add some thoughts for consideration. Man, that uh, that story you just shared about the, the Muslim ladies and how you made them feel, uh, it I got chills when you said that, and and it's and it's amazing to me because one of the reasons why I really like Disney movies is because they make you feel right. It, like I I I feel like most people are shying away from their feelings. They don't want to show their weakness or their vulnerabilities while they're online. They're only showing a certain side of them. Uh, me included, right? It's, it's, it, it, luckily I have this show and allows me to be a little more vulnerable, but almost everything else that gets posted is not anything that shows any sort of vulnerability. It tends to be only the highlight stuff. Right. And it reminds me of a, of a, of a, uh, a, a photo album that you would have when you were younger, right? The photo album only has pictures of everybody smiling, but that's not reality. Reality is the peaks and the valleys, the ups and the downs. And that's what makes those smiling faces even better. It's because you've gone through some of those trials and tribulations. And Disney is really good about doing that. Every single movie they have has points in it where you feel something and and i always joke about it but they they made everything feel right they were like look let's see what happens if toys have feelings and let's see what happens if cars have feelings and let's see what happens if feelings have feelings and everything has feelings but that connection that human connection when you make somebody feel something you change their life all of a sudden they they respect you more you've you've you have been placed on a pedestal because you made them feel something uh, when you hop on stage, how can you do that? How can you make somebody feel something? Well, I think you you understand what makes you feel things. And I think what you said is there's a key word in vulnerability, but also authenticity is notice I didn't say accept everything I say here verbatim tonight. And, and by God, I'm right. I said, listen to the language. The languaging was 
I'll share some ideas with you for your consideration. In other words, it's, it's asking permission to be able to share some thoughts with you that could be of value to you if you believe them to be of value, right? It's not jamming something down somebody's throat. You know, as a sales guy, um, you know, and a longtime marketer, I don't ever want to sell anything to anybody, but I always want them to buy a lot from me. Therefore, it's my responsibility to create an environment for them to want what I have. You know, I can't sit here and go, uh, you know, let me tell you the, the absolute way of doing this. And this is the only way to do it and, and either accept it or, or the heck with you. But if I say, hey, you know what? I don't know that this is going to work for you. But then again, I don't know that it's not, nor neither do you until you try it. So what we have found works is this and this and this for this reason. And I would consider, I would ask that you consider it and think about it critically, again, being authentic with it and, and see if it works for you. Try it on. If it works, great. High five. And if it doesn't, that's cool too. See, a little humility goes a long way. A little, um, you know, when you're connecting with an audience, it's, it's about eye contact. It's about, you know, there's an, the old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's really true. You've got to, you've got to transfer. I, I don't think presentation or sales is an intellectual or tactical issue. I think it's a strategic, heart, heartfelt, relational issue. And so if we can connect that heart to heart, especially from stage. It's amazing. People go, oh, I, I can consider that. I like that idea. I think I'll accept what he's saying there, right? So again, I mean, I think a big part of it is the one thing you learn when you get a little more mature, uh, that's code word for older, by the way, uh, <laughs> you know, when you've done this for, for a while is what you understand is that if, if you present things in a way that people can critically evaluate and choose to accept or respectfully decline, Either way is fine. And you're going to win a certain portion of the audience and you're not going to win the other portion of the audience. And that's okay. I've never won a hundred percent of my audiences, nor do I anticipate I ever will. My desire is to win them the majority of the audience, right. And, and get them going in a direction that's of service to them um, in whatever it is I might be presenting or showing them. So you know, it's how do you handle people authentically and and be able to connect with them so that they feel that you care? Ask, right? You have to be able to ask questions. I think yeah. that's really the only way because uh, in any presentation, if you talk at them, it's different than if you're asking them, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I guess it's a little bit different on stage. Uh, versus when you're talking to somebody one-on-one -on -one or, you know, a sales presentation, for example. But it's a lot about figuring out what is the problem that you have? What what are you going through? Where are you today? Where do you want to go? And what's stopping you from getting to that next step? And, and in asking those questions, that's where people feel hurt. That's where they're like, okay, he's not really trying to sell me something. He's trying to figure out what my problem is. And then maybe my product or solution or my product or service is a solution to that. 
but you're really digging deep into who the prospect is. Questions, right? I mean, that's really the well, absolutely. people people make sales and presentation way too hard. It's only four words: identify problem, provide solution. Hmm. So who knows what their problem is? They do. So if I say, you know, if if you could improve one thing in your podcast, what would it be? If you could improve one thing in your life, what would it be? If you could improve one thing in your relationships, what would it be? You understand that's a that's a formulaic question. But once I ask that question to you now, you can share with me an idea that we can start to work on together. Right. Mm. So it's identify problem. Well, then it's only once I know what your challenge is that I can properly present a potential solution. And personally, I've worked my entire career being the hub to other people's spokes. And what I mean by that is the chances of you needing what I do when we first meet is almost negligible. But the chances of you needing to know something I know or someone I know is probably 95%. So I teach a concept of becoming an asset to everyone you meet. That's a five-letter acronym for a spontaneous servant every time. Become become a spontaneous servant every time. The rest takes care of itself. So when, when I see something about you know, you're looking for guests for your podcast. I say, I send something out that says, hey, um, number one, I do podcast. Number two, I have my own show. Number three, I, I think it'd be great to do. If you find it a value for you and your audience, I would love to play. Right. And, yes. But again, identify problem. I'm looking for a guest. Provide a solution. Hey, this guy's not half bad. I don't even know who the hell he is. But, you know, he, he seems like he actually would care about me and my audience. And that's the kind of person we want to have on our show. So, well, I'll tell you what, Scott, I do have a problem right now, and I know you have the solution. Uh, you've shared so much knowledge with us today. You've you told us a, a, your story. I mean, the experience that you've had. We've talked about all kinds of different marketing, advertising stuff. So, if people do want to reach out with you, have a conversation, find out more about your books and your speaking engagements, how can they do that? Just you can email me scott at scottshilling.com. I do not hide well. You know, <laughs> I don't try to keep it a secret. Or you can go to Scott Schilling Speaks is one of my websites and uh, would love to connect. If you've got any questions hanging out after this, please, please fire away. Scott at scottshilling.com and uh, would love to get to know you and see how I can be of service. You're amazing, Scott. Uh, a lot of experience uh, in advertising, in marketing. You've experienced an entire episode of the Business Bros Podcast. And for us, video testimonials are the key to our success. It's how we grow. It's how we get more clients. So what was your experience like on the Business Bros? I mean, fabulous. I love the way that you go about this. I love the energy that you bring to it. And I love the fact that you've got a true desire to serve your audience at the deepest levels. And because you do it, How do I know that? Because you're asking questions. You're asking questions and you're working to get information for them so they can become better. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Scott, man, 30 minutes just flies by and it always happens that way when you're having fun. So thank you very much for coming on the program. Ladies and gents, scottshillingspeaks.com, scottshillingspeaks.com. If you want to reach out to Scott, that's the best way to do it. Find that website, one of his websites. Uh, and then he said his email was scott at, scott, at scottshilling.com. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that, it's not very complicated. It's literally <laughs> his name. 
<laughs> All right, Scott, well, thank you very much for coming on the show uh before we head out is there any last minute thoughts maybe something that you you know want to get off your chest or share before we head out final thoughts i tell you what i really love the way you're doing the show and and i would encourage everybody to share this episode and then share many more get people to come to this show so that you can learn what you need to learn uh even if it's just one little nugget each time uh very valuable that's it, ladies and gents. A little learning every day. And as uh, as one of my mentors, Mr. The Late Zig Ziglar would say, you know, part of it is learning. The other part is implementation, right? I, I am a successful salesperson. I will learn something today that will make me a better sales professional tomorrow. That's a line straight from Ziglar. And I yep. write it in my journal each and every day. So learn something new, but apply it. That's the way you get better every single day. Bunch of nuggets in today's show. Scott, thank you for dropping your uh, your knowledge on us and sharing uh, your time with us. And we'll see you guys again manana. Peace. And we're see out. Thanks for watching the Business Bros. If you're ready to get more clients and want to work with the Business Bro, visit our website, www.businessbros.biz and click on the Need More Customers button or learn how to generate more referrals with our video testimonial packages. Go to www.businessbros.biz and start getting more customers today.